Hello, SCORE fans, and welcome to our next episode of SCORE the Podcast. Today, I am absolutely thrilled to have as our guest one of my favorite people and definitely one of my favorite composers, a legend for all the things that he's created from the video game music for The Last of Us, which has gone around the world, the Academy Award-winning scores for Brokeback and Babel, incredible music with his band Bajo Fondo and his other band Arco Iris. He's a legend. He's a genius. He's a great, great, soulful musician. I'm excited for this episode of Score the Podcast with Gustavo Santo Alaya. Gustavo, I don't <laughs> remember the last time I we were together. It I, It was or, years ago, but I was. don't remember where, where, where was it? Was it at Ghent? Where was it? Oh, it might have been at Ghent. And I'm going, I think it was I think it was at Ghent. But. And I'm going back to Ghent in October. Will you be there, please? Sir? Yes, I will be oh, there. I, the, I I actually will be performing. Oh that's the greatest news of all. I'm going yes. to Ghent. In, uh, I guess, uh, for the Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what night is your performance, but I will be there. Oh, okay. I don't know either, but, but I know that I'm going. Uh, yeah. I oh, that's a... just the greatest news. That makes me so excited yeah. to be there and we can hang and we can f figure Actually, out. Actually, you know, I'm going to be there. I tell you when. I'm going to be there between the 17th to the 19th. Great. And I will. Okay. I'm there. On, I arrive on the 19th, and I will see you on the 19th. Maybe you're there for a video game music concert. Correct. Exactly. That is one of the reasons I'm going, and one of the reasons we are gathered here today. Though, I've had. I must admit, I've had a Gustavo festival for the last few weeks, reading everything, watching everything. Um, and it's been really wonderful. It's been beyond oh. wonderful, and for yeah. so many reasons, Thank I you. can tell you. But first of all, let me just welcome you and tell our audience we are very, very lucky to have the great Gustavo Santo Alaya with us, somebody I've known and loved a lot for many, many, many years. Even before I knew Gustavo, it was a little bit of, who is this making this music? Because there's something truly unique. Uh, as many of you know, Gustavo is the composer of so many different kinds of formats. I guess that's the way to say it. Kind of the ideal mm -hmm. career of film composer, video game composer, great incredible music for albums, producing, and as an artist. Really, the career that we would all want to have, he is having for us, mm. which is, I I admire, and I also love behind you, I'm now seeing. Gustavo, I was in Buenos Aires maybe mm -hmm. six months ago, and on the wall behind you was a great Maradona kind of red fist that was yeah. graffiti. <laughs> Yes. which we saw. I'm also in your honor. Yes, Iguazu. 
I which see I it. think is the piece of music that of course launched a lot of your work. A lot of a lot of things. It was it was uh, labeled by the president of the Composer Society here in Los Angeles and as one of the most hated pieces by composers <laughs> because they use it to temp, you know, so many movies, you know, as a, as a temp, and you know, then composers have to follow that, you know, that 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 rule. Oh, you know, that's that I, funny. I particularly don't like uh, to work that way, but uh, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a piece that has. Uh, been uh, appreciated by so many people and it's very very special piece for me too it do is. you ever hear a film and think ah they used Iguazu to tempt this scene because it's like Iguazu only kind of slightly to the left no 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 I think you know one of the things about that piece is that it'll fit almost uh, anything it has a like a something that connects with something deeply human so it has that kind of like that bitter sweetness of existence you know uh, and uh, that's what it is you know it has uh, that uh, that melancholy of existence you know that thing that you know we all somehow feel and even when you are uh, uh, when you're feeling good and when you have this joy you know but that thing about somehow being uh, having been you know by by our act of being born, being sort of separated, you know, from something, and that that thing that is always in uh, inside of us, you know. Uh, I think that the Iwasu has a little bit of that. I think you've just perfectly described what it is about your music that just <laughs> you articulated it better than I could ever say because <laughs> there's not a cue that doesn't have that aspect of sort of, well, this is film music doing what film music does, but it also is saying so much about two things, the story, the and the, I'm sorry, three things, the, the story and the character, so, mm -hmm. but it also, I hear you, I hear you in every cue. <laughs> I really, not in a way that's, that overwhelms the story, but, What you just said, there's this humanity yeah. that comes through. I mean, so I want to, I want to be a fanboy for a minute. First of all, congratulations! I read yesterday that mm -hmm. you are about to get the Lifetime Achievement Trustees Award from the Latin Grammys, correct? Which is That's long right. overdue. <laughs> and I hope you are working on your speech. You maybe just made it. <laughs> um, But I went back and watched these movies, Amoras Paris and Babel and Motorcycle Diaries, and there's something in them that just deepens the film when, when a cue starts. And I know that you've said, for example, on Brokeback, you wrote a lot of the music before. Can I ask... Just all so. of the music, all of the music, Not all of lot, the music. A lot in Brokeback. That's the Mac, the, the case. I mean, the biggest example because truly that one is 100% of the score was written uh, prior to a frame being shot. Oh. Yeah. So Ang took. First of all, you work with my two favorite directors, two of them, <laughs> Ang Lee and Inner Ritchie. Just these are genius directors who Amazing understand guys. what you do. Amazing guys. Um. So, 
Inomoris Paris. There's a queue where the the homeless guy who we know yes. is it yes. comes up El over Chiu. a hill. Yeah. And it's like drums and electric guitars. It feels like it is scored exactly to that moment. <laughs> was it just something that was dropped in over that moment? Or was it? did you score to the moment? He comes up over the no, hill. That one, you know, that one in particular, is, uh, it was more uh, really um, uh, done to the picture, which Good. is something, you know... <sighs> very uh, unusual for me yes you know? great relief because I thought if you had cues like that just hanging around and directors could go through all your pre-recorded music and say this fits my movie perfectly I just I was stunned by that what a beautiful and sad film and then right afterwards I watched Babel and thought first of all Here's a strange question. Is the Ron Rocco good for Arabic music as well as Latin music? Yeah, well, the the thing is, and, and I feel kind of like proud of this, that um, I, a couple of things that happened with the Ron Rocco. The Ron Rocco is a very magical instrument. It has been for me. And uh, I, uh, I put out that record, Ron Rocco, after... Uh, a master, Jaime Torres, who actually is a, was a master of the charango, which is an instrument related to the ronroco, mm -hmm. he pushed me uh, to, you know, you have to you have to make a record with this because uh, he is, so, you know, I mean, he was a, kind of like a, the Ravi Shankar of the charango, right? So mm -hmm. it's an old guy, master. Uh, and, uh, and I've been recording pieces with... Charango with Ron Rocco for many years just for myself. I mean, when I put Ron Rocco out at that album, it contains 13 years of my life. The recordings hmm. there, you know, span through a 13-year uh, time frame. And, uh, but he said, you know, you, you because I, I, I don't play like, you know, uh, uh, like the, the old guys play. I mean, I have my own style, my own way of doing it. So he said, that doesn't matter. You found the spirit of the instrument. You have to put this out. People have to know this. So pushed by him, really, I put the album out and, you know, all these doors start opening. Michael Mann called and he wanted to use, actually, Iwasu in, <laughs> in The Insider. Yeah. And then Alejandro, you know, I started working with Alejandro. And the end of Amores Perros, when El Chivo, when the uh, it's already shaved and tough and he walks away in the horizon with his dog, El Negro, is Ron Rocco sounding there, and then Motorcycle Diaries, and then up to The Last of Us, you know, the, the main theme is Ron Rocco. Well, one of the things that I'm proud of is that I actually put that instrument in the map because nobody knew what a Ron Rocco was before, really. Nobody I had, had never a, heard of it. Exactly. I, you know, charanga, I, you know, I knew from Cuban music. and No, and but that's charango, not charanga. Right, charango, charango. Right? Which is an end and from the Andes Mountains. So the thing is that also the other thing is that I find that I, I was able to transcend the the, uh, so the the ethnic aspect of the instrument. Not that sometimes I can do pieces that have echoes of 
music from the Andes, but also I do pieces that have echoes of the Pampas. I have pieces mm. that have echoes of Eastern Europe or Africa or Asia or the Arabic world. So I find it that is really like a planetary instrument. Mm. I mean, in, in the theme of The Last of Us, I never heard anybody that came to me and said, hey, uh, that's uh, that instrument from the Andes Mountains that you're using, it's great. No, the ronroco there works as a harp or a guitar or any instrument in the orchestra, a clarinet or whatever, you know, it's one more instrument. <clears throat> Uh, which I love. And of course, I mean, ta -da -dee -da -da -da, that's pentatonic, could be anywhere. But when it goes, ta -da -dee -da -da -da, that, ta, that's blues, that's America. You know, so, <clears throat> so again, I mean, with the instrument, I find that I can do anything really and, and, uh, and become more like a planetary instrument. Uh, so so that when you said, uh, can, can you play Arabic? Of course, I mean, I feel with Ron yes. like uh, with a piano. I mean, could you play? Uh, of course. Can you I actually play? went yes. to the piano to, to just make sure that, I heard an interview with you where you said that note, the, it's, a, it's a B flat actually in the... Uh-huh. When exactly. I first heard it in Last of Us, I thought, oh, it's bebop. It's a flatted fifth. <laughs> I didn't think, I thought, oh, that's so cool. Gustavo's like quoting Charlie Parker here. But it's blues. <laughs> You're right. I never thought it was. <laughs> it's a blues lick. It is. I don't know why totally. when I first heard it, I thought. <clears throat> but it could be, but it could be Arabic too. It could be, uh, you know, Definitely. a flamenco uh, note too. I mean, so. That's the beauty of it, you know what I mean? That that it's really from nowhere and from everywhere. And, and uh, I, that I really, I, it's a very, very special thing for me. When I, although I always like to talk uh, about the fact that I love to play instruments that I don't know how to play, because <laughs> they put me in a very particular situation mm -hmm. that I love. Uh, when I have to say what are my instruments, I say guitar, which I started playing when I was five years old, and Ron Rocco. Ron Rocco is one of my main in instruments. I mean, as important as the guitar for me. I know that you were given a guitar. Is, is there a moment that you thought about composing your, I mean, writing music yourself? Because that's a big, some musicians get a guitar and they think, I'm just going to play in a band and I'm going to be part of somebody else's music and maybe I'll write songs. You started composing very early. Was it clear to you that you were fully musical and fully interested in being an artist at a very young age? Yes, yeah. It was something, a call that I had from a very, very early age. Uh, when I, uh, there was a, I started playing as I said, when I was five and I had formal tuition between five and 10. Uh, unfortunately, I'd never really, <laughs> connect with the academic side of music, obviously because I think it was uh, because of the age and stuff. I think it was really my teacher's fault, but uh, mm -hmm. we always had these terrible fights, you know, about it. I mean, because I, 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 I had the, the skills to play, you know, so I will pretend that I was reading the chart, but I, I actually was not reading it. And then she will cover part of the chart and say, start from here. And I, I just didn't know where I was. I had to go from the top, and it was like constant oh, no. fightings. So when she, when I was ten, she quit. She quit on me. She went to my mom and said, "His ear is stronger than my music." I quit. 
So, uh, so then is when I started writing my my first little things. And uh, but I always found an incredible connection between the 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 instrument and the music and and the sort of the spiritual world, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and I think by the time I was ten, eleven, um, I started to to realize. Um, I, I think I'm gonna be doing something with this when I grow up, and then when I was 13, the Beatles came into the scene, and and they was over. I mean, that was I said, this is what I want to do for sure. And I was always very good student. My parents were great in the sense that they always support me with the music and bought me instruments. I had my first electric guitar when I was 12. And that time in Argentina was very unusual, you know, and we were just middle class and, uh, but, uh, and so they, they always support, I started making records at 17. I signed with RCA hmm. and I started as an artist and as a producer. <clears throat> so I was going to high school and I was making records. Um, what but was when the name, I, what was the name of that band? The band was named Arcoiris, which means oh, rainbow. God, that was, yeah. I didn't realize it was that early. Yes, there's a there's an album, and you can find it in the, <clears throat> in the Spotify and any any of the I think of the platforms, uh, which is the first Arcoiris album that's been re-released in vinyl and stuff. I had there's a few albums that I did with the band, but the first one which I did when I was 18 years old. I think is one of my favorites. I did that in four track, and uh, and uh, um, and it is like a blueprint of my career. You'll find there lots of things that have to do with uh, scores and with my songs and with my music in general. And it's a pink album. The cover is pink and it has a triangular symbol. I say it's arcoiris. And the first song is called Quiero Llegar. I wanna. We're going to find it and we're going to play it under some of this interview. Uh, Okay. Okay. I wonder, I I haven't asked an artist this in many years. First of all, it's just incredible to hear this progress of your career. Um, Do you think when you said it was the blueprint of your career, do you think that at 18, without any knowledge of what was to come, you were purer? Or do you think that now, with all the knowledge you have, mm-hmm. you have more tools to express yourself? If you had to evaluate, mm-hmm. for all of us, as a young musician, is that your very best moment? Or is it as a seasoned musician, you actually mm-hmm. can apply everything you've learned? Well, you know, I always... Uh, <clears throat> I always, when some of my talks and workshops and stuff I always talk about the importance of experience mm. and you know and what the the fruits of experience can give you and now that you know I'm you know I'm a little older mm. uh, I can say that but I always say that I truly believe strongly believe in the fruits of inexperience because inexperience uh, allows you to take roads that experience will immediately denied because you know already how you, you this is the way you do this you know and then you do it but then comes a you know a kid that doesn't have no idea and then takes this road that's why i always love to work with with young talent you know and uh, and um, and so it, it applies really to this i mean at the moment that i started i didn't have no experience whatsoever 
and uh, has produced some incredible stuff. When I put together this show, I just came back from a tour that I did uh, with this show. It's called Desandando el Camino, which means unwinding the road. Mm -hmm. And it's basically a trip, a journey through my life, through my music. So I play things that I wrote when I was 17 years old up to The Last of Us. Mm -hmm. And when I decided to make this show for different reasons, the age, my granddaughters, and some very personal stuff a few years ago, 2016 to be more more precise. Uh, at the time, you know, I've, I've always, I've never really looked that much behind. I've always looking, you know, to the front to go ahead, try not to stay in a comfort zone, always put myself into a challenging situations. Um, and every time that I look back, it was, there was so much stuff that I did. But <laughs> there was a moment that I had to play, to uh, press pause. And that happened. When I did that, I said, you know, I need to find out how did I get here. So mm -hmm. I went back and I started listening and reviewing all my stuff. And I went back to that album, to that Pink album. And for example, I found stuff that I really, for me, was timeless. There's a song there that is called Canción de Cuna para un Niño Astronauta. means uh, lullaby for an astronaut kid. You know? And uh, I still today, I can't figure out how did I write that when I was 18 years old. It's so complex, the combination of chords and, and the, the whole structure of the, the piece and stuff. It's really, really something that is timeless, you know. And uh, I've been very interested in, in this last uh, decade, I would say, in, in quantum mechanics and, and, and all that world, you know, that wonderful world of uh, uh, uncertainty <laughs> that is the quantic world and you know where really past present and future are happening at the same time you mm -hmm. know and i really believe and feel that way many many times and i feel that when i'm writing music when i'm performing it uh, uh, there's that that sense of uh, timeless and that sense of uh, uh, you know being a kid and uh, being an old guy uh, at the same time. I think there's some kind of moment of being present when you're in a spotlight on a stage that is hard to replicate in real life. Then you have to be fully concentrating, fully aware of the moment, and it's a very Correct. special place to be because everyone is listening to you at that moment. Tell me, on that tour, is it an ensemble that's around you? Is it yes, and it's a, it's, it, yes, no, it's an ensemble. It's an amazing group. That been, it's the same group that I've been working for the last uh, years. And uh, we are all multi-instrumentalists. So we play like around 50 instruments in the, in, the, in the show. And it's all about the music. There's no like projections or big, it's all about the music. And uh, it's, a, it's a really, really uh, special show. And I, I've been... Uh, many people have told me these people that have seen many many shows so it's 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 you can see i mean i i i i challenge people to listening to the show if they can tell oh this one you can tell that he wrote when he was uh, 16 or you know when he was 20 or oh, this one you can tell because uh, there is a continuity and a, a coherence in all the the work that 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 it's part of what uh, also uh, confirmed that I had to do this show, you know. Uh, it was. There's a lot of stuff also in my career that I've never played live. That that's why one of the reasons. Oh, I, that's. I 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I wanted nice. to do it too, you know? That's so nice. I had a Gustavo moment when I was in Buenos Aires. We were having <laughs> lunch at the lovely Faina. Oh, right. And, right? And, and over the loudspeakers came, dun, dun, the beautiful favorite bajo fondo ah pa bailar right. da, 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 da. i couldn't believe i thought Jam. i thought how this is impossible this is the soundtrack to <laughs> what's in my head as i'm walking through through buenos aires and I, how appropriate they are to hear and there it, it was they were playing it you know and there are always people sort of around the pool and they're just chilling and i yeah. wanted to get up and yell do you know what we're listening to because <laughs> somebody had programmed it I love Bajo Fondo. That's yeah. one of my favorite bands. We're working on a new album right oh, now. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. And still play when, around. And when can we expect new Bajo Fondo music? A beginning of the first uh, quarter of next year. I love one thing that you said about The Last of Us, which is with all the films and records you've done, it's introduced you to 13 and 14-year-olds around Correct. the world. Correct. I wonder if, first of all, has anyone called you to say, you know, can you produce my record? I love this music, and I'm 15, and I live in Europe or Dubai or Asia. I mean, that game has gone so far. No, incredible. And you know, the, the love, the devotion that the, the fans of The Last of Us has for the music is different of any... Uh, connection that I have established with prior fans of my music, you know what I mean? I've always been blessed with uh, uh, the possibility of connecting with people, with uh, whatever I I did, you know, from Darko Iris to now. But but the, the fans from the video game, I don't know if it's because they spent so much time, you know, listening to that and stuff, but they are really, I mean, they have this... this this connection with the music so emotional, you know, uh, very, very strong. And of course, I mean, most of them didn't know anything that I've done before, hmm. but now they do, you know. So I get these beautiful mails and and I get messages. And uh, also I do a lot of meet and greets in the, when oh. I do the tour. So I get a chance to, to meet with people and, you know, briefly, I mean, connect. And I have lots of people also that come from different places in this tour i had you know a guy that came especially from syria just from one night to see my show in paris <clears throat> you know and and just like that you know and uh, i have a, you know fans of i was in, i went to kuwait to do you know a, a presentation at a video game conference uh, it has allowed me to connect with people around the world and now that it has turned into a tv series you know now the public has expanded to it, it was amazing that actually the people from the video game, the gamers, embraced the series, yes. which was something, you know, it's always a challenge when you have something that has been so successful in one media to move it uh, to another one, right? Uh, I think part of, I think in a way, I mean, I, it's not 
that me saying this, some other people have said this too, but the fact that we have kept the music, the themes, the sonic fabric of the the, the, the music of, of the game for, for the series, it's been instrumental too. Um, first of all, I never thought that I was writing a music for a game. I was always... I always felt that I was writing music for a story, for a great story, story that you could tell with puppets or with animation <laughs> or in theater mm -hmm. or in a series. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> so the music is really for, for, for the story. And uh, also Neil and, and, and Craig, you know, Mason, they were uh, really kind to, to say, you know, that, that actually they, they feel that my music is part of the DNA of of The Last of Us. So it's 100%. a character, it's an important character of the, this 100% the, correct. The story. It, it's, you know? I once heard someone talk about uh, seeing Star Wars and it never occurred to them till much later that the music wasn't sort of baked into everything that was, you know, it was just, wait, music is separate from the movie? It's just part of the movie. No, it's attached. No. And I feel that way about Last of Us. I want to ask you a few yes. things technically about yes. that. When when they first approached you for the game, yes. did they say, we need you to write 27 hours of music and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Please bring it all with you. How did how did they approach you? when you? I'm sure you said, yeah. first of well, all, yeah. I don't write, I haven't <clears throat> written video games. I heard you say that. What was that first conversation like? And and did did they know you were going to write not kind of, you know, yeah. drum and bass disco well, I think, music? Well, I think uh, <clears throat> when Neil approached me, uh, he knew what he was looking for. I mean, okay. he was very, very familiar with my, my work. Hmm. Uh, he loved... Uh, uh, motorcycle Darius, he loved my work with Iñárritu, you know, I, mm -hmm. I, I always felt a connection between Neil and Alejandro in a certain mm. way, you know. Uh, uh, he loved the Brokeback, so he knew. Uh, let me tell you a little bit what was my relationship with games in general. I'm a terrible gamer, you know, <laughs> I can spend an hour hitting a wall <laughs> trying to move the... So, but, uh, but our son, uh, at the time that I started working in The Last of Us was in his mid-teens and he was a great at, player. At Oakwood? Uh, no, my other son. My, <laughs> my, that's my daughter. That was my daughter. Oh, right. Uh, at Oakwood. But uh, so uh, Don Juan, that's his name, Don Juan, uh, was really, really, really good. And I always enjoy watching him play. I've mm -hmm. always been... Uh, I said, a very bad gamer, but for example, in Bajo Fondo, when we went on tour and stuff, all the guys, they always play FIFA, World Cup, you know, stuff. And, and I enjoy watching them play, just like if I was watching a, a soccer match, you know, on yeah. TV, you know. Mm -hmm. But with Don, with Don Juan, I mean, with my son, you know, I always love to watch him play. And I always thought, boy, if someday somebody connects in a more deeper level, in an emotional level with a gamer, this is going to be, there's going to be a huge change in this. You know, aside of the combat and survival and all that stuff and the fighting, um, if somebody <clears throat> goes beyond this, you know, just physical and gymnastic stuff uh, and goes into uh, deeper emotional thing, this is going to be a revolution, you know? So when, after the, the two Oscars, you know, mm -hmm. I was approached by different companies you know and uh, and uh, some big companies and with some 
you know, big offers. And uh, I always say that part of my success is not only the things that I've done, but the things that I have said no to, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, I had to say no because I knew what I wanted to do and this was more of the same. It was, you know, again, you know, could be a great game, but it was just, you know, more just combat and fighting and <laughs> that stuff. Finally, I met Neil. And when Neil told me the story of The Last of Us, and also he told me that it was in his plans to actually do that, to connect with the gamers in a mm. more uh, deep level, uh, I said, this is it. And then, and then, when we got you know, the, the confirmation of that, learning that uh, people were crying playing the game, you know, and there's a, a particular a couple of spots where people cry, just like in the movies, you know, that's that moment <coughs> in particular. <coughs> then it was a confirmation that that you know the, this 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 connection was was happening, and uh, so it's in that environment also that that this gamers connect with the music and that the music plays such an important role in the in the game because of this emotional content and uh, and the, the way they uh, they approach me and the way they connect with the music is really something something else and now they open themselves and now they know that I sing they know that I did the movies and you're they know, in the you game know? you're a, you're a star of the game <laughs> there's a Gustavo <laughs> character there is a Gustavo there playing the banjo in the corner and he's an avatar and uh, and yeah can, they're gonna put that in the series in a movie Gustavo presents <laughs> The Last of Us. But when Neil approached you, did he yeah. say here or did he have, you know, part of his team say here's the technical requirements. We need you to just send us themes and we'll make them work. You play the music and we'll make it work or you're going to score these various beats. How did they tell you what they needed because it was your first game? And to be what honest, did you need to no. Do? To, to be honest, they didn't tell me more than uh, just uh, the story. I mean, one of the wow. things that it was the, one of the things that was was uh, really uh, organic, mm -hmm. uh, and so also when it turned into the series, is that <clears throat> the way I worked in films, you know, is not the way usually composers work yeah. on films. I mean, you know, usually composers come at the very end when there's a rough cut and uh, that was already scored with temp music. Some might belong to the composer, but, you know, a lot might not. And then, you know, the composer is trying to chasing the temp, you know, and trying to make something that is like that, but not really a copy. So for me, I mean, I've never worked like that. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I always like to, you know, work from the script from the, the story, from my connection with the characters and from conversations with the director. So in this case, with a video game, it has to be like that because you only see the render images at the very end of the road, you know? Right. I mean, at the, at the, you know, the best you can see a drawing of the character, but, but that's it. You are really working on the basis of the story and the characters. And no, I didn't get any guidelines. I actually, mm. you know, talked, I mean, they told me the story and uh, Neil told me a story and everything, and I just got to work. And the first thing that came up was the theme. That, that, uh, and uh, why did I pick up the Ron Rocco? Why? I, 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 I can tell you. I mean, this is very uh, 
ins instinct, you know, that I have, you know, that and it just, I remember I woke up morning, went for the rock and I knew that that was, the theme was there and it came like that, boom, it's one of those. Sometimes, you know, it takes more uh, time to work and to connect. Sometimes it's just happened and this was, was one that just happened, you know. But you're right that in some ways, Without knowing it's a Ron Rocco, it could be a Western, yeah. you know, American Americana instrument as much Correct. as it could be used. Mandolin, which it, you know. It's it's magical in that way. It really is magical. It is. It is, and uh, and so so then what happens to me too is that lots of times I do stuff right out of instinct, which is the way I work. And then I can articulate more. You know what I did. Hmm. This happens. It's been so. I've been doing it for so many years now that that you know time has allowed me to 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 really be able to now articulate and go. Okay, why I use silence? You know why I use these spaces? And or you know I remember the first time that I heard from James Sheamus, producer at Focus, uh, Brokeback Mountain, when he told me no because. The, your use of negative space and I was wondering what negative space yeah that's the silence that I'm doing you know I I didn't know all, all, all these things and for example in in in, in the last of us <clears throat> I, I I created two areas <clears throat> two different poles one which is with the ronroco and the other one that originally was with a Fender six-string bass mm -hmm. you know which is an instrument from the 60s it's mm -hmm. not like this new modern basses that have more strings which actually go lower and stuff no it's totally different it's a, it's a, it's a almost it's like an octave lower than a guitar hmm. and it's an instrument that was used by the beatles and it was used uh, by jack bruce in the first cream uh, configuration uh, but it's an instrument that if you want one you have to order at a fender custom shop because they don't huh. make that you know um, so um, that that instrument gave me another you know, weight uh, and uh, that low end and stuff. And then I could really see the two poles of one side that was a feminine side mm. uh, that connected with Ellie, which is the Ron Rocco thing, and the other one, which was this this more male thing, which was the, the Fender six-string bass. That in the in the second edition of the game, I replaced by a six-string nylon string guitar an octave lower too hmm. i had these guys in argentina they're the only guys in the world that make these strings that make they make these strings that are an octave lower than a classical guitar and uh, so uh, i had this you know two really differentiated areas right <laughs> uh, and that i why i did i don't know i just i could i, I rationalize it afterwards and i go oh yeah this this connects with all this more masculine side of the story, and this connects with a more uh, fragile, you know. But that but. it's interesting what Seamus said about negative space, because that is the lesson I learned from your scoring, <laughs> which is you create more emotion with two guitar notes played. It, it's, I mean, you know exactly what I'm saying. It's so <laughs> silent, and yet there's this kind of one guitar note followed by a second, and then it gets quiet and you think oh, my heart is broken yeah, how did that just work it's well not... i don't know you know it's a it's a silence that is a very eloquent silence because <sighs> it's a silence that is full of information it's not just silence it's an absent absence of sound no it's a, it's a it's a silence that sometimes can be louder than a note you know and sadder 
uh, and sadder and uh, and it just creates that longing you know that that connection and that that sort of expectation for that next note to happen you know and and obviously mm-hmm. is it's like jumping in into a void you know yeah. it's like when you get there's this same thing you know it's when you get to a highest point of of a tree and a point point and you get there where do you go from there i mean you 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 step into the void you know do you and think that some of your artistic orientation is specifically argentinian is there something in Argentine absolutely poetry Absol- and and music and art that is this kind of soulful slightly melancholy silence? absolutely well i think there's a few things i mean i i for example i always say that in brokeback mountain probably nobody knows but i know that there's in that guitar there's elements of atahualpa yupanqui you know in the use of space or silence or the melancholy uh, i i've i've been i work on the, the 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 subject of identity from a very very early age and mm-hmm. i think i the, your identity you expand or your identity but to really uh, mature and grow you have to you can never forget where you really started where you come mm. from you know but you expand of course first identity is at your home who are you in your in your house you know in relationship to your uh, brothers or sisters or your you know then who you are in your in the block who are you in your neighborhood who are you in your city in your country in your continent uh, you know and then obviously you end up being you know who are you in the planet but mm-hmm. if you don't connect i mean i've seen people come to the united states you know from different countries argentina but other countries and they actually lose and forget their you know mm. their, where do they come from and at the same time they're not also from here and they're kind of like you know uh, identity <laughs> less i mean they don't have an identity and it's really sad you know uh, some I've also seen you know commit cultural suicide I mean I, there's a lot of Peter Garcias and Charlie Lopez that don't speak one word of Spanish because their parents decided that because it was a different time and they didn't want their kids to perhaps you know be bullied at school because they spoke Spanish I mean we're talking about you know in the 50s and stuff like yeah. that uh, thank God that, that doesn't happen that much anymore and I think we you know uh, but I think the concept of identity is uh, is very important. So yes, I feel that in what I do, there's also an identity that has to uh, that is connected to the fact that I come from the south, and I really do think that the south hemisphere of the world of the planet has a different vibe than the northern hemisphere, and the southern hemisphere is for me has especially when the lower you go the closer you get to Patagonia and and to Antarctic and Antarctic circle it gets melancholic you know that is just so interesting and it we are lucky as listeners that you are feel that vibration that your grandmother gave you a guitar mm-hmm. that you're Argentinian that you came to Los Angeles I just and that somebody heard Iguazu <laughs> which I also loved going to the falls and looking at the falls and Iguazu isn't, isn't just, it amazing what a, what a, unbelievable what a place, but eh? so lucky Gustavo before we let you go and I see you in Ghent and 
eight looking weeks. forward looking forward Robert. it's gonna be so fun tell me what else can you share with us that's coming up that we can look forward to um, well I'm as I told you before we're working on a new uh, bajo fondo album great uh, and uh, I'm working in two uh, feature films one uh, based uh, on the life of Nora Cortinas the film's called Norita and he's mm. the leader of Madres de Plaza de Mayo mm -hmm. fundadora and Madres de Plaza de Mayo is a movement that originated during the military dictatorship in Ar in Argentina where 30,000 people disappeared at the hands of the government. They These disappeared. Were, yeah, they, they, so these mothers used to uh, get together every Thursday. Still, they still do because the in, problem is In front is of the Pink Palace, is in, that where in they... In front of like the White House, we have the right. Pink House, you know? Yes. Uh, and uh, so they... They they went around with you know pictures of their kids and and white handkerchiefs, and uh, they still do mm -hmm. because unfortunately the militaries never actually gave uh, the places where bodies could be found. I mean they they they, they have been found places you know but there's thousands of people that have yeah. disappeared and also. Uh, kids, because lots of these uh, women that were taken were pregnant uh, or got pregnant there, and the babies were taken. So we, I'm also working with Abuelas de Plaza de Mayo, with grandmothers of Plaza de Mayo, uh, with uh, Estela Carlotto, who's the leader of them. So this is this movie is fantastic because th these people, you, you, it's unbelievable how they they have transmute uh, this just unbelievable pain into a love for life and a joy for life that's mm. just unbelievable, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, this film is called Norita. I'm doing, you know, I'm in charge of the music, uh, but also I'm a, one of the producers of the of the movie. Fabulous. Uh, and also I'm doing the first feature film by Rodrigo Prieto. Rodrigo mm. Prieto, I met Rodrigo as a director of photography for yes. the Iñárritu films. You know, he did Amores Perros and Babel. Absolutely. And He's 21 the... Grams. Right. Then he did Brokeback Mountain. He was director of photography for Ang Lee, too, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, for the last 10 years, I believe he's been the director of photography for Martin Scorsese. Mm -hmm. So now this is his first film as a director, and it's based on this iconic book uh, of Mexican culture called Pedro Paramo mm. uh, that was written by this uh, writer, uh, Juan Rulfo. And uh, this book, supposedly, is the book that... Uh, kickstart or you know pushed Garcia Marquez to write 100 years of solitude amazing you know? so it's a it's a classic and this is Rodrigo's first uh, uh, first uh, feature and uh, so I'm I'm love to be working with him he's a dear friend and and also extremely talented uh, man so we're working on that and also around uh, this time of the year beginning of next year is the 25th anniversary of the release of Ron Rocco, of the album. So we're planning a series of um, events related to the celebration of that. Uh, um, for once, uh, Nonsuch is going to be releasing a vinyl version of the album. Beautiful. Um, we are, I'm gonna put together a concert because that record was never played live. You know, so I play a few things in my concert, but yeah. I haven't done like a concert, a Ron Rocco concert, you know. So uh, I'm planning to do Where that. Where can we <laughs> go and hear that concert? I well, must go. 
Will it be in L.A.? Hopefully, it'll be uh, in several places and cities. I yes. may have to go around. You know, you remind me when you say you're going to play the whole record. There are certain... If you go to New York every year, Steely Dan will drop the... They literally have somebody come out in a spotlight and drop a needle on a great Steely Dan record wow. and like it's going to play it. And then the band starts and plays the whole record start it's to amazing, finish. Amazing. I don't know if I'm going to play the whole record because also there's another record that follow called Camino. And I mm. might do a combination of both. Yes. But, I, but I will do a, a concert with that aesthetic. Just the whole concert, you know, which I've never done before. I also planning to release a signature model of Ron Rocco. Oh. And Ron Rocco, I've been working with a, with a luthier, you know, for now, yes. for, for a year. Um, and also a, a signature strings for the instrument. I'm out, and I'm also be working on a, on a fragrance. Because I, I'm, I'm always very interested in smells. Yes. And... Uh, and I have this uh, this colleague from Argentina uh, that is uh, actually has a company called Fueguia that has uh, places uh, stores in Buenos Aires, in Milan, in London, and in Tokyo. And uh, and he uh, not only I mean works with lots of uh, herbs and, and elements and things from uh, Argentina from mm -hmm. Patagonia, from Litoral, from different places. But also he's been working with, you know, molecules and stuff and has done a couple of projects, private projects. One was uh, he developed a, a fragrance of a Stradivarius violin, you know, Stradivari violin. <laughs> That's great. You know, using the molecules of the instrument. And he did one with a, a, a Leonard Cohen's guitar. You know, Leonard Cohen wrote a poem about his conde, guitar it's a spanish guitar mm -hmm. so they 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 took the conde guitar and sort of you know did you know took molecules of the instrument and stuff and created a fragrance i need it <laughs> I need, will it be called ron rocco i hope so yeah or gustavo <laughs> no 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 ron rocco, ron rocco. i need to wear ron rocco i may need i may need to go buy a signature ron rocco just because it's such a beautiful instrument it's 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 gorgeous. It's just the idea of playing one is great, <laughs> Gustavo. I really appreciate our friendship, your time. Thank you so much. Robert. And I am just now so excited that we're gonna be in Belgium absolutely, together. That'll absolutely, that'll be great. We'll hang out. I'll hear you play. I'll stand up and cheer. Fantastic. Let me ask you something, Robert. Shoot. Did you go in Ghent to this place? This little sort of dive place that that where they sell Ginebra and is the old guy with a beard Paul it's it's I think everybody goes it's famous so let's go there and have a have a drink together okay after the show absolutely we will celebrate promise oh okay. that's great maestro peace gracias man. amigo thank you Muchas hasta gracias. la pronto gracias. hasta pronto eh? bye bye see you soon